Hebrews chapter number 11, and we will close out our study of this great Bible chapter with the final two verses, verse number 39 and verse 40, where the Bible says, And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, they without us should not be made perfect. A couple of incredible truth-packed verses to close out this great chapter in the Word of God. And let's consider what they have to say to us. Father, thank you for your Word. It's truth. It's power. Give us light. Give us understanding. Uh, Lord, help us to apply these truths for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ in His name. And amen. In Hebrews eleven thirty nine, after recounting the tales of these heroes of the faith from the Old Testament, the summary statement is given, these all, having obtained a good report through faith, having obtained a good report through faith. Faith, obviously, the common denominator in each of the characters mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, these men and women of the faith are listed here because they exercised faith. Now, what does that mean? That means that God said something to them, or God promised something to them, or God revealed something to them, and they responded by believing God enough to do what it was that God had said to do. We've said it many times before. We'll say it again. Faith is not believing that God can do things. Faith is believing God enough to do what he said. These people, they receive promises. They also receive commandments. They also receive instructions. And their faith was evidenced, one simple word, and that's, obedience. And it's repeated in this verse what was said at the outset of the chapter, that they obtained a good report. They are here commended in Hebrews 11, commended for the faith they had in God, commended for the faith they exercised in God. And and their faith, as we can read in this chapter and in their uh, tales from the Old Testament, their faith produced something worthwhile. When God made a promise and, 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 and God gave commandments or instruction, everything in every case turned out the way that God said it would. The lesson of Hebrews chapter 11 is that God rewards those who diligently seek Him. God rewards those who believe him. Proverbs 28, 20 is a faithful man shall abound with blessings. But the next phrase is striking because these all who obtained a good report through faith, verse 39 then says, receive not the promise. We hearken back to a statement made earlier in the chapter, verse number 13, similarly, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers 
and pilgrims on the earth. Again, with each of these characters, individuals, groups, God commanded something. God promised something. These men and these women, they took God at his word. They did what God said to do. But in many cases, they did not live to see the fulfillment of all of the promises that God had made. For example, Abraham. God made promise to Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to make uh, your family a blessing to all the families of the earth. And those promises are yet to be fulfilled. Now, God started the nation through Abraham, and God built the nation through Abraham. And Jesus said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, but he had to see that through the eye of faith because he died before that promise was fulfilled. All those promises have yet to be fulfilled. That Abraham's people would dwell in the land of Canaan and have it for an everlasting possession and dwell in peace and safety. Those promises are awaiting the second coming in the kingdom established by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the fact that Abraham hasn't received all of the promises yet obviously does not mean that he won't. Romans 9, Romans 11, God has not cast away his people. He'll never forget the covenant he made with Abraham. The Bible says over and over again, his descendants will possess the promised land. They'll dwell there uh, in peace and safety forever with Jesus Christ as their king. So promises made, promises believed, commandments received, instructions given and obeyed, and and God always blessing, and God always keeping, and God always rewarding. But many of the promises not fulfilled in this life, temporally speaking, that's the broad context of Hebrews chapter 11. Leading into the chapter, back into 1036, the Bible says, For ye have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Here's what we have to understand. Doing God's will does not mean that everything in my life is going to turn out just perfect, just the way we want it to, just the way we expect it to. If we go back from verse 39 in, the, in, in chapter 11 of Hebrews, just a little bit further, uh, verses 33 through 35, we have these great triumphs of faith, but verses 35 through 38, we have these great trials of faith. Faith might lead to victory or faith might get you through defeat. Now think back to the original setting of the book of Hebrews. This book is addressed to people who had turned from Judaism to follow Jesus Christ, and they were paying the price for doing so. And the temptation was to turn back from Jesus to Judaism because of all the difficulty that came along with it. They were being urged in this book of Hebrews to, to see this faith through all the way to the end because not until the end would the full benefit of their faith be realized. We have to look, 2 Corinthians 4 says, not of the things that are seen, but the things which are not seen to live the Christian life, to, to enter into our eternal reward. We have got to take the long-range view. We have got to develop an eternal perspective. And that's what the book of Hebrews encourages us to do, and that's what 
chapter 11 encourages us to do, these all having obtained a good report. God blessed them. God used them. God did keep his promises, but they didn't, all of those promises were not fulfilled in this life. These all having obtained a good report through faith, verse 39 says, receive not the promise. Now there's there's a difference between this statement and the statement made in verse 13. See if you can notice it. Hebrews eleven thirteen. these all died in faith, not having received the promises. Verse 39, and these all having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Every word of God is pure. God chose the words carefully and on purpose. They're all inspired. One verse says promises, and one verse says promise. Those are very similar. They're not the same. There's a difference there, and I believe it's a significant difference. What is the difference? Obviously, one's plural and One's singular. In verse 13, we have promises. In verse 39, we have not having received the promise. Maybe verse 40 can help us. God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. Now, all all of these heroes of the faith from the Old Testament mentioned in chapter 11 The last verse of that chapter says we have something better than what they had because verse 39 says they did not receive the promise. So what we have that's better than what they didn't have is the promise of verse 39. What promise do we have as New Testament Christians that these heroes of the faith from the Old Testament did not have That's easy to answer when you read the New Testament, you study the Bible. Complete pardon, forgiveness of sins, eternal life through the finished work of Jesus Christ. I'm not saying they didn't have God's grace. I'm not saying they didn't have salvation. I'm saying they didn't have the finished work of Jesus Christ because Jesus hadn't died yet. Now, there's a doctrinal lesson here that's important for us, and then it leads into some practical lessons and applications. But let's start with the doctrine, Luke chapter 16. What do we mean that we have a promise that they didn't have? What do we mean that we have something better than what they had, that they didn't receive the promise that we've received, that 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 that, that the salvation they had was different from the salvation that we're offered and that we enjoy. Well, Luke 16 shed some light on this matter. Luke 16, we have not the parable, the story, not, not the made-up story, the real story, of the rich man and Lazarus. Verse 19, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores and it came to pass the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. 
And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he's comforted, and thou art tormented. Beside all this, between us and you there's a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Now, Jesus recounting this story, Jesus giving this account, this is during his earthly ministry. He has not yet died for sins and risen again. And we have two men, two men a rich man who dies and goes to hell, and Lazarus who dies and doesn't go to hell. He's carried by the angels, the Bible says, into Abraham's bosom. It doesn't say heaven. Abraham's bosom. And what's interesting about the location of Abraham's bosom is it's it's directly across from hell. We know from the Old Testament, hell's in the heart of the earth. And there's this great gulf between paradise, Abraham's bosom, and hell, but people in one place can see the folks in the other. It's not heaven. Lazarus didn't die and go to hell, but he didn't die and go to the presence of the Lord. He went and he went to the presence of Abraham. Why is that? Well, Abraham's faith was counted for righteousness. But Jesus had to shed his blood to pay for sin before those sins could be judicially cleared. You remember what happened when Jesus did die for sins and rise again? Matthew 27 says that the bodies of the saints which slept arose. Not until then, but when he rose, then they rose. Ephesians 4.8 says that Jesus Christ, when he ascended, not before, but, but, but when he ascended, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. We're not going to study this in any more detail, but what we understand from Luke 16, Ephesians 4, other passages we take along with it is the people in the Old Testament who were saved by the grace of God could not go to heaven until Jesus paid for sin. And he did come, and he did pay for sin, and by the time we get to uh, Paul's acquaintance in Corinthians who was caught up in the third heaven, guess what he saw there? Paradise. God having provided some better thing for us. They did not receive the promise. We have received the promise because Jesus has died for sins. Here are the applications, and, and, and some on a doctrinal level, but, but then on a practical level. Number one, salvation by works is impossible. Salvation by works is impossible. Now there's... There's no dispensation that that's true in while it's not true in another dispensation. That, that's true for all men for all time. Salvation by works is impossible. In Hebrews 11, we have characters from the Old Testament, men and women from the Old Testament, 
who are in Hebrews 11 because they're the best of the best. They're the cream of the crop. Some of the most notable names, some of the most notable deeds, they obtained a good report. They they exercised great faith in God. They, They did incredible exploits. But they didn't obtain the promise. Because all of those exploits, even the obedience that resulted from their faith, that was not enough to obtain the promise. Go back to chapter 10 of the book of Hebrews. There's only one thing that could take away sins, and that's the the perfect sacrifice of God's Son, Jesus Christ. So salvation by works is impossible, according to Hebrews 11, 39 and 40. Number two, it's not so much your faith, it's what your faith is in. Let me repeat that. It's not so much your faith, it's in what you place your faith. A little bit more grammatically correct. These people had faith. We're saved by grace through faith. They were saved by grace through faith, not their works. But having having received this, this saving... By the grace of God, because they believed God, they couldn't go to heaven until, until what? Until Jesus paid for their sin. Here, here, here's the application we're making. People today talk about having faith. I'm a person of faith. I'm, I have a strong commitment to my faith. And, and faith is essential for salvation. Faith is the only means whereby God can impart his saving grace to us. Faith is important. You can't be saved without faith, but you can have all the faith in the world, and if that faith is misplaced, you'll die and go to hell. If that faith is not placed in what Jesus did, well, then you're not going to receive the promise. You can have faith in any any hundreds of things. That faith won't save you until you put that faith in the gospel. Salvation by works is impossible. The measure of a man's faith is the strength of that which in the faith is placed. But then number three, we really have no excuse. Now, I'm saying we, New Testament Christians, reading Hebrews 11, not living Hebrews 11, uh, reading the book of Hebrews uh, 21st century, not 1st century, we have no excuse. What we have as New Testament Christians is better than what Abel had just one generation removed from the Garden of Eden. What we have as New Testament Christians is better. God having provided some better thing for us. Better than who? Better than Enoch who walked with God and was translated. Better than what Noah had when he built the ark. Better than what Abraham had when God made him the father of the Hebrew nation. Better than what Moses had on Mount Sinai. Better than what Joshua had in the conquest of Canaan. Better than what David had and the prophets had if if they obtained a good report through faith with something lesser than what we have, 
let's ask ourselves this question, what is our excuse? Why can't we exercise faith in God? Why can't we believe God enough to do what he's told us to do? He didn't tell us to build an ark. He didn't tell us to leave our family and everything we've ever known and go somewhere and he'll tell us when we get there. He didn't tell us to go battle a giant with a slingshot, some rocks. He said, preach the gospel. He said, give cheerfully. He said, love Love others. Love your neighbor. Be a blessing to your pastor. Be involved in your church's outreach. Have a good testimony. Tell the truth. Good character. Good in- Live right. Be clean. Be pure. Be holy. Be separate from the world. If they could do what they did with lesser than what we have, why, why, why can't we do what God's given us to do with all the blessings, benefits, and promises he's given us? That's the question. That's striking to me as I read these last two verses of Hebrews 11. A couple cross-references to wrap this up. James chapter 5 and verse 17. Here's one of those Old Testament heroes. Elias, Elijah. Elijah. Representative head of God's prophets there on the Mount of transfiguration. What a great Bible character. What wonderful victories he won. What boldness, what courage, what faith. Elijah calling down fire from heaven. Elijah, three and a half years famine. Elijah doing battle with the prophets of Baal. Elijah standing up to Ahab and Jezebel. Elijah. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, subject to like passions as we are. You know what Elijah was? Elijah was a man. Elijah was a fallen man. Elijah was a sinful man. Elijah was a a human being in the flesh. Acts 14, verse 15. It's not an Old Testament hero. It's a New Testament hero, but same principle applies. Acts 14 Verse number 15, Paul and Silas been preaching at Lystra and God used these men to evidence the truth of what they preached by working miracles and healing and the people in this place began to worship them. To, to, to say they were some kind of gods. I'm sorry, I said Paul and Silas. It's Paul and Barnabas. And they said in verse 15, Sirs, why do you these things? We also are men of like passions with you. Preaching to you, you should turn from these vanities and living God. Paul the Apostle, the Apostle Paul, wrote half the New Testament, used by God to establish churches around the world. Greatest Christian will ever live. The Apostle Paul, you know what he said? Like passions. You know, the Holy Spirit inspired him to say, Romans 7, 18, in my flesh. He, he, he wasn't talking about us. 
He's talking about himself. It applies equally to us all. In my flesh dwelleth no good thing. You know what Paul was? He was a man. He was saved by the grace of God, just like you and I can be saved by the grace of God. Elijah, Paul, greatly used of God. Incredible lives. Men of like passions. I heard growing up, uh, just normal people, they put their pants on one leg at a time. These aren't superhumans. They're not super special. Look, God's the same yesterday, today, forever. Elijah's God, that's my God. Paul's God, that's my God. You know what we have? They didn't have a complete copy of God's word. You know what we have? Elijah didn't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You know what we didn't have that Paul didn't have? Internet preaching, Christian fellowship, conferences. Now, now, now here, here's the question that Hebrews 11 closes with. What's our excuse? There was a verse my mother quoted to me more often than any other. I would say it probably has to be Luke chapter 12. In verse 48, where Jesus makes this statement, For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. These people, Hebrews 11, had great promises, had great faith. They obtained a good report. They received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. What we have is better than what they had. Look at what they did with what they had and what are we doing with what we have? Let's let that question challenge us, inspire us, motivate us to exercise faith same God in which they exercise faith. May we obtain a good report through faith. Father, thank you for these lives that were lived and these tales that were told in the Bible where we can read about it. God, challenge our hearts, please, with these truths. In Jesus' name, amen.